0: we gather together as a church because we believe that jesus came the first time the bible teaches that he will come a second time in fact bible commentators teach that there are over 500 prophecies that are connected with the second coming of jesus christ
1: Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word.
0: Our points in this teaching that I have, knowing the time from Romans 13, 11, we're going to look at the regathering of Israel into her land, the rapture of the church, the seven years of tribulation, second coming of Christ, and a new heaven and a new earth. Father, I pray that you would be with us. And Lord, I realize that I'm attempting to give a lot of information in this message today. And Father, I just don't want it to be an information dump into our minds, our heads. But Lord, I want us to heed the words That Paul gave to first to the church there in Rome and now to all the churches since that time knowing the time Lord that we would see that your return is soon to come That our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed So I pray Lord that you would bless this teaching bless our time together this morning Help us Lord to just gain a little understanding of your word But Lord help us to be able to apply it to our lives We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Which brings us to our third point, the seven years of tribulation. We're going to go back to Isaiah 26, verses 20 and 21 to springboard off. Where it says, Isaiah 26, verse 20. Come, my people, enter your chambers and shut your doors behind you. Hide yourself, as it were, for a little moment until the indignation is past verse 21, for behold, the Lord comes out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. The earth will also disclose her blood and will no more cover her slain. Well, until the wrath of God is poured out upon his enemies, Isaiah counsels the faithful bride to hide herself. This is perhaps a reference to the Rapture of the church found in the Old Testament, the church being caught up into the heavens while God's indignation and wrath is being poured out upon the earth for a period of seven years, what we know of as the seven years of tribulation. It is only after the church is taken away that God will once again focus his attention on the nation of Israel. That's why it's so important that the nation of Israel is in the land today that God focuses his attention upon the redemption of his chosen people. While there are those within the church who do not believe in a coming tribulation, most believers fall into one of three categories. There are those who are post-trib, or those who believe that the rapture will take place at the end of the tribulation, mid-trib, believe that it takes place in the middle of the tribulation pre-trib, like Calvary chapels, get that right, before the tribulation. Post-tribulational view of the rapture of the church teaches that the church will be raptured moments preceding the second coming of Jesus Christ. There are some difficulties with this. First, they connect the seven trumpet judgments of Revelation to the trumpet of God that's found in 1 Thessalonians 4.16. But these are not one-size-fits-all trumpet blasts. They each have their own distinct purpose. Second, we find the second coming. At the second coming, Jesus comes with his church, not for his church. In Colossians 3, 4, it says, When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So at the second coming, Jesus comes with his church, not for his church. Therefore, we will already be with him since the church has already been caught up into his glory. And finally, Scripture teaches that God keeps his children from wrath. And One of the reasons I believe that we do not go through the seven years of tribulation. I've already read one of these verses, but again, we find in another place. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. We have not been appointed to wrath. There's only one place in Scripture that refers to the great tribulation. About the seven years of tribulation, we find that there's only one place in Revelation 7.14. It says, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made themselves white in the blood of the Lamb. It's the only place in scripture that it refers to the great tribulation. And yet this is not referring to believers, but to those who are martyred during the tribulation for their faith in Jesus Christ. Those who refuse to take the mark of the beast, the Antichrist, that number that we know, 666. And they will, in Revelation 6, 10, cry out to the Lord, How long, O Lord, holy and true? until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth. These are vengeance-seeking believers who were killed because they would not take the mark upon their right hand or their forehead, but also they will serve the Lord day and night in the Lord's temple. The pre-tribulational view, that which Calvary chapels hold to, that which I've always been taught as a grew up not as a Calvary Chapel guy but in the Southern Baptist Church but we have the same position on these end time events and I've always held to this that the church will not go through the coming tribulation but the Lord will take us out harpazo that Greek word to be snatched away or caught up but also because of what Jesus said in Luke 21 36 he says watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of God. We are to be praying to escape because Jesus said we should do so, that we would escape the coming judgment of God. In Daniel nine twenty seven, it says, And he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. But in the middle of the week, he shall be bringing in to sacrifice and offering and on the wing of abominations shall be one who makes desolate even until the consummation, which is determined and poured out on the desolate. This speaks about a completion of the seven years of tribulation before the second coming of Christ. At the end of that time, God's wrath will be poured out upon this world. The Lord Jesus Christ will return in power and great glory and so in the coming seven years tribulation god will during that time he will pour out his wrath upon an unbelieving world the second coming of christ this one there's so much that will take place all i'm trying to do is to cover a little bit of the second coming of christ it precedes his millennial reign a thousand year reign upon the earth i didn't really put any of that in my notes but It is believed also at that time will be the great white throne judgment that scripture talks about. Again, if you have another hour, we could get into these things. I didn't want to go that deep into it, but I wanted to hit some of these key points. The Bible teaches that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming again. We gather together as a church because we believe that Jesus came the first time. The Bible teaches that he will come a second time. In fact, Bible commentators teach that there are over 500 prophecies that are connected with the second coming of Jesus Christ. Isaiah 40 verses 10 and 11 says, Behold, the Lord God shall come with a strong hand, and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his work is before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arms carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with the young. Now, Jesus's work upon the cross is behind him. That event took place at the Lord's first coming. But with his work behind him, Jesus says in Revelation 22, 12, behold, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to give everyone according to his work. And again, Isaiah 62, 11 teaches us, Indeed, the Lord has proclaimed to the end of the world, Say to the daughter of Zion, referring to Israel, Say to the daughter of Zion, Surely your salvation is coming. Behold, his reward is with him, and his work is before him. Behold, his reward is with him. He is coming with the clouds, according to Revelation 1, 7 and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, referring to the Jewish people, even those who pierced him when he died upon the cross at the first coming. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. Jesus is coming with the clouds. It refers to uh, the kingdom age or the second coming of Jesus Christ. Every eye will see him. Jesus said so in Matthew 24, 30, Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. Then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Even those who pierced him, referring to the Israeli people who had their hand involved in the death of Jesus Christ at his first coming. And Zechariah twelve ten says, I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication, and they will look upon me whom they have pierced. All the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Talking about all the other nations besides Israel. Zechariah 12, verse 10, we continue. Yes, they will mourn for him as one who mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one who grieves for a firstborn. Even so, amen. This is like, in the Greek, it's like saying, amen, amen. I'm going to put a strong emphasis on this one. Even so, amen. Amen, amen. Or so let it be, this is coming. In Acts 1.6, it says, Therefore, when they have come together, they asked the Lord, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Acts 1.7 says, And Jesus said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. So the disciples did not at that time have a complete understanding of the difference between the Lord's first and second coming. They thought perhaps that he came the first time, died upon the cross, was buried, rose from the grave. He's there a second time. Is this it, Lord? Are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel right now? And Jesus said, It's not for you to know the times or the seasons. Sadly, within the church, there have been a number who have attempted to set dates. And to say that even though Jesus said, we cannot know the time or the season of his coming, I figured it out. I have this, you know, brilliant mind that's smarter than Jesus, who is God, who created all things. They're in some ways saying, I'm smarter than God. Jesus said we can't know, but I figured it out. This stood out never more greatly to me than in 1988 when a pastor came out with a book saying 88 reasons why the Lord will return in 1988. Yes, I date back to 1988, even before then. And uh, one of my friends actually preached the I don't know if he preached all 88 reasons why the Lord was going to return in 1988, but he preached it the Sunday night before the Lord was scheduled to return. So that next Sunday, I poked fun at him for his message that he had given. But what was also interesting is the same author in 1989 came out with a book saying 89 reasons why the Lord might return in 1989. Got a little smarter this time, he threw the word might in there. Why he will return while he might return. We're not to set dates, we are to be ready. In Matthew 24:36, Jesus said, no one knows the day or the hour, not even the angels in heaven, but my Father only. We are to always be waiting for the return of Jesus. We're not to worry about the dates. We're to live as if the Lord could return at any time. And this should naturally give us a spirit of evangelism, that we should be concerned for others, that they would come to faith in Jesus Christ as well. In Matthew 24, 42 and 44, it says, Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming, but know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready for the son of man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. So Jesus's second coming will be followed by his millennial reign, a thousand year reign upon the earth that the Bible teaches about. I'm not going to go into that, but we find that Jesus will rule the nations with a rod of iron. During the millennial reign, we read about this in some of the passages from Psalm 2.9, Revelation 2.27, Revelation 12.5, Revelation 19.15, all talk about Jesus ruling and reigning upon this earth, and even talks about at the end of the thousand-year millennial, during that time, Satan will be locked in the abyss, but will be re- released once again. He will raise up an army against Christ. And one might think that that a thousand year reign of Christ would not have anyone desiring to rebel against the Lord, but upon Satan's release at the end of the thousand year reign, it exposes the true condition of man's heart. It proves that even in a perfect world where Satan has been bound and locked away for a thousand years, where Jesus is ruling in righteousness and justice that man's problem is not his environment it is a condition of the heart in jeremiah 17 9 and 10 it tells us the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it in verse 10 i the lord search the heart i test the mind even to give every man according to his ways according to the fruit of his doing so the second coming of Jesus Christ will usher in the millennial reign of Christ. And then after that comes the new heaven and new earth. Second Peter three verses 10 through 13 says, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat, both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since All these things will be dissolved. What manner of person ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Peter wasn't the first to teach about the dissolving of the earth. We find it actually several times in the Bible, in the Old Testament. In Psalm 50, verse 3, it says that a fire shall devour before him at the coming of God. In Isaiah 34:4, it tells us that the heaven will be dissolved. The heavens will be rolled up like a scroll and all their hosts will fall down like a leaf falls from the vine and the fruit shall fall from the fig tree. Thankfully, Peter follows this destructive prophecy of true global warming, saying that there is a coming new heavens and new earth where righteousness will dwell. You know, it is very interesting, the hype that is now uh, being promoted about global warming. There are those who have uh, actually said that We have less than 12 years upon this earth, and the earth will be no more. A teenager who came over from Europe to promote this need to do drastic changes to save our climate. But the Bible talks about the earth one day being burned up. And if it is within 12 years, then it's a God's doing, not man's doing. And I would never say that we shouldn't take care of our environment, do what we can to protect the earth that we have been given Uh, I could tell when I was in Africa in Sudan and we were out on safari, only one day it was a working missions trip, but they took us out on safari. It was totally cool. Uh, If you've ever seen a herd of elephants in the wild, it's something to see. I have. When we were on that one day safari, there was something that was evident when we had our water bottles. All the Americans, when they emptied their water bottles, they kept them, took them back to the base with us. All the Africans pitched them, threw them on the ground. We have been trained pretty well to put garbage where it belongs, to even recycle. Now I took it back to the base and put it where it belonged. I don't know what happened to it afterwards. The Africans could have came and taken it and thrown it out back somewhere, and it could have ended up in the similar place. But I think we should do what we can to protect. But also the Bible teaches, Isaiah 65, 17, Behold, I created new heavens and a new earth. The former shall not be remembered or come to mind. In Revelation 29, 1, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there is no more sea. Revelation 21, 27, But there shall... By no means enter anything that defiles or causes abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Talking about those who will be able to enter into the new heaven and the new earth. Only those whose names have been written in the Lamb's book of life. Only those who come to faith in Jesus Christ. Righteousness will dwell in the new heavens and the new earth because Jesus will be there. Jeremiah twenty. Three verses 5 and 6. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. In his days, Judah will be saved. Israel will dwell safely. Now this is his name that he will be called the Lord our Righteousness. We are to be looking forward to a coming new heavens and a new earth. But most importantly, we're to be looking forward to the coming of our King, our Savior, Jesus Christ, the Lord, our righteousness. Where righteousness will dwell in the coming new heavens and the new earth. So let's go back momentarily to Romans 13, verse 11 and verse 12. And do this, knowing the time. That now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. One of the reasons I thought it would be good to just knowing the time. At the end of every year, I'm not big on New Year's resolutions. Partly because I've failed at every single one that I've ever tried to say that I'm going to keep. It doesn't work for me if i end up doing something right in my life it's probably not because i made a resolution to do so it's just that god has been working in my heart to correct things but at the close of every year i do take time to reflect upon my life and consider the year that has passed and also look forward to and as a pastor here at calvary chapel for 20 plus years now When I reflect upon the future, I'm not just reflecting on my own future, but what will be the state and future of our own fellowship. I think it's good for us all to consider those things. How will we, knowing the time, how will we conduct ourselves? It's time, Paul said, to wake up out of our slumber. Paul is telling the church of Rome, a church that he had never visited, but he had no doubt, had seen in many of the other churches that he had visited in his lifetime that much of the church is walking around in a slumber, in a half-sleep. They're sleepwalking through life, not considering the day and age that they are, we are living in. That it's high time to awake from our slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. If you knew absolutely for sure that tomorrow you will see Jesus, Would you conduct yourself differently today because of that knowledge? We are to live as if the Lord could return at any moment.
1: Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into his image by the power of his Holy Spirit.